Welcome to Alive with Jesus. We are talking about the two most important issues without question for every single person on earth, and that is being alive or not, and being with Jesus or without Jesus. These are the real issues, and everyone needs to face those, hopefully. Uh, we hope it's not refusing to face them because we are focused on growing your faith by knowing truth with certainty, building on a solid foundation of God's word. And that is what gives you fulfillment and passion on purpose. Our primary verse is 1 Thessalonians 5.10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Join us as we build on a good foundation so that every day from now through eternity, we are truly alive with Jesus. So thank you for joining us. Let's open up with prayer. God, thanks so much for this opportunity to share your word, to learn from you. And uh, we ask that your word is not return void, that this is not about our opinion. This is not what we think. We don't care what we think. Lord, we want to know what you think and what we can do to serve you better. So bless this podcast, bless this moment, and uh, bless your word. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we have, uh, I'm Stuart, and with us, I guess you can say who you are. I don't know who you are. My name is Nathan Height. I'm Steve. So we're discussing, we've been discussing uh, foundations. If you haven't heard those, go back to the the first few episodes, this will make a lot more sense, uh, but we've come to a couple of yavits we did in the last episode, and this one, we're going to hit some pretty big ones, and I think if you've ever talked to anyone about God or uh, even yourself, if you thought about God very much, these two issues uh, come up, and a lot of times people tackle these one at a time. So the first one is... Uh, yeah, but how can we believe in a God who allows suffering and evil to exist in the world? And usually we could take a whole episode and just talk about that. But I actually wanted to add one in because I think one will help understand the other. And the second one is, yeah, but how do we, we reconcile the idea of a loving God with the concept of eternal punishment in hell? I think if you if you took a poll of everyone on the street or something like that and um, just asked them, talk to them a little bit, one of these two would probably be at the very top of the list of things that people question, they wonder, they they aren't sure about, and so we want to hit them head on, and we're going to use God's word. Uh, as much as possible. So the first, the first thing I would notice about these two is that they are they are in direct opposition to each other. M meaning, people think that God should not allow suffering and evil to exist. However they also don't think there should be any punishment or at least not eternal punishment in hell. And we, we have decided 
somehow that we are going to define God. We are going to determine what God's parameters should be, who God is. We, we get to determine that we get to say, no, no, God, this is what you're supposed to do. You're, you're God, you're supposed to be like this. So we, or someone else has defined that God is supposed to do X, Y, Z. So if we go back to, um, our foundations of being fully real or assimilated sham, which yes, is fully real. So if it's physically real, then either it infinitely existed or it had an origin, which we believe had an origin and origin means either nothing plus nothing equals something, or we had a universal creator. So if there's a creator, now we're talking about who is this creator. The last uh, episode we were talking about his power and his wisdom and that kind of flows over into this a little bit in that he's he's obviously smarter than we are so a, a short answer is because he's smarter than us why does he allow suffering and evil to exist in the world because he's smarter than us that doesn't sound it, it sounds offensive or mean or insensitive or something and i i don't of course, I don't want to make light of any suffering that's going on. So I want to make sure right up front, I, I don't wish suffering on anyone. There's so much suffering that has gone on, the martyrs, uh, just on and on and on. I don't want to discredit that and say there hasn't been suffering and people haven't had any pain because it is real. That's actually one of the reasons that we believe it's fully real and not a simulated sham is because the pain is real. So the question here is not, is the pain real or are you just being a sissy or should you forget about it? That's, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is that question. Why would God allow suffering and evil? So I want to, um, look at this from a standpoint of, uh, let's just list a few evils or, or suffering because and myself included my generation and certainly the generation after me, I don't think we have any clue what suffering is. I remember mom used to say, you don't know what starving is when I would say I was hungry. Uh, you know, what didn't really help at the time when I was hungry, but it's true. I, I don't know what starving is like. There are people now on earth that, that do have to deal with starving and that's, that's horrible. Um, but the suffering in the wars, the suffering in the great depression, the suffering uh, there's been right now, the suffering that we mostly go through, at least in America is if they got our Starbucks order wrong or not, we just, that ruins our whole day. Uh, they didn't, they didn't put enough creamer in and, or it was too hot or it was too cold or it took 15 minutes and now I'm late for binge watching the new show that that is our suffering. And I think that really is, does an injustice for true suffering that goes on in the world, the famine, the, the martyrdom, uh, there's, there is a lot of suffering. And 
So the measure comes into play here. How do you measure what is real suffering? What is evil? So the very question here, how do you believe in a God who allows suffering and evil to exist in the world? Well, how do you define evil? Who's going to determine what's evil and what's not? Because someone might say it's evil for someone to look at you cross-eyed or, or to say a mean thing. Is that evil? Is that punishable by death? Uh, what, what is right and wrong? And we going back to the foundations. Who who makes the rules? Who is it society? Is it culture? Is it your pastor? Is it your parents? Is it somebody else's pastor? Is it what? What are the rules? And if God created the universe, he made the rules. He's He's got the rules. So first and foremost, we'd have to determine what is evil and we would go on that. But let's just pick a few things that at least everyone can agree would be suffering and evil. Uh, something like uh, murder, that, that would be evil, uh, real murder without a cause uh and then you have uh well we'll just we'll just stick with that one well no you got you have murder you have uh, what are some other ones some of the big ones rape child molesting theft it's so you had stealing you have lying you just kind of look at the ten commandments let's let's just go there at the moment so of all of those let's say that murder is is the worst one of all the all the Ten Commandments. Well, why didn't God just not allow murder? He could allow the other ones, but just not allow murder. Let's just, I mean, use your all-powerful power and just stop all murders. So let's say that he does that. Let's say that he he makes sure that the other nine things can happen, but but murder can't. Well, if they, if murder could never happen because God wouldn't allow that, then you know what people would be saying? The worst one would be, what, what do we say? Rape. We'll just say rape. Okay. So murder wouldn't be known because God didn't allow it. So it's not allowed. It doesn't exist. Nobody's ever heard of murder because God stopped every murder. So it's, it's never going to happen. So that means rape would be the worst one. And so everyone would be saying, well, how can we believe in a God who allows rape to exist in the world? Okay. So let's, let's say that he does, he gets rid of that one. So no one's ever heard of murder and rape. So now we're down to, um, stealing. We'll I'm just going down the list. So no more rape, no more murder. No one's ever heard of it. No one even knows what that is. Doesn't even make sense. Theft is the biggest one. So everyone would say, well, how can we believe in a God who allows theft to exist in the world? You keep going down that path because the word, the, the one that God didn't allow or uh, would allow would always be the worst one. You keep going and keep going and keep going and you end up in a perfect garden of Eden where God has one rule, just one. Don't eat that. You can eat anything else. The only thing you cannot do is do that. And if you do that, 
then you die. He even gave a, 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 the consequence. It's not like he just said something, but he didn't tell you why. He gave you the consequence. Well, let's apply this same thing. How can we believe in a God who allowed the tree in the garden that could cause them to die? Well, let's say, suppose that he didn't. Suppose he took that tree away. Now you got the perfect garden. Nobody can do anything wrong. They are not able. They are incapable. They cannot choose. They cannot choose from one or the other. They are forced. That is a slave robot. You are you're just programmed and you're limited in what you can do. And that's actually one of the foundational letters. Uh, it takes us through T yeah, I, so either we're a slave or robot or we have a choice and we can influence the result. So if you take away any choice, then you're just a slave robot and you can never know love. If you forced someone to stay in your home and you didn't allow them out, you didn't allow them to do anything but what you said, um, how do you know if they really loved you? How do you know if they really want to be there? And love is, is what so many people will talk about as the greatest thing. And that it is what the Bible says. These three remain faith, hope, and love. The grace of these love, uh, charity. Charity meaning you are loving without expecting something in return, not giving money to charity. So it's a it's a choice. If there is no choice, then there is no love. You, you could never even use that word because by definition, love would mean you're choosing. Uh, love is a choice. You, you're you have to choose what you're going to love. So that, that maybe someone thinks, well, I just don't think, well, now we're back to is God smarter than us? Would you rather be a robot or would you rather have a choice? So any thoughts on that and in, in the, any comments? Well, I wouldn't have eaten of the tree in the garden. <laughs> but um, so then let's go even further. So then if why would God allow depression and anxiety and all of these mental health problems or um, Down syndrome? Why would God allow someone to be born of that? Well, this is. Again, we have to we have to look at allow uh, versus what his plan was, his creation in the garden. How how many bad things do you think were going to happen? He he gave one rule. That was it, and we didn't. Eve didn't, and then Adam didn't obey. And that caused that caused the uh, spiritual death, and so now it's it's a fallen world. It's it's not the same as what he created. But even then, he gave some specific things 
to follow some specific rules, some specific, uh, I don't want to say guidelines because that makes it sound, maybe guidelines. No, I, I mean, he, he gave, there's, there's so many conditional verses I, it, just in the New Testament, because that was the, the primary focus, uh, I've got uh, 50, 49 verses in the New Testament that are conditional. But even through the Old Testament, there's so many times God would say, if you do this, then I will bless you. But if you do this, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be horrible. You're going to have this. You're going to have this. You're going to have this. Maybe you remember when Israel wanted a king and and Samuel was trying to tell him why. No, you, you don't don't want a king. You have God as your king. And it finally came down to it. God said, yeah, go ahead. But I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them what's going to happen when they get a king. They're going to uh, have to start paying taxes. They're going to have to give up their sons and daughters to be bakers and soldiers. They're going to have to give up land. They're going to have to do this. They're going to have to do this. He told them the consequences if they chose this other thing. So at that point in time, right then, when God says, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. But if you don't, then you won't have those consequences. When they do that, is that God's fault? Because now we're back to, well, he shouldn't allow the choice. Well, okay, now we're we're back to slave robots. So many, I mean, so many of the problems that we have today in physical health and uh, just life in general is because we aren't following what he said. And maybe we could, I may have to do some stats on this sometimes of how many times God said, if you, if you follow this, and Joshua did it multiple times. Um, oh, even when Balaam, if you remember, uh, the story of Balaam, where the Israel's enemy hired Balaam to curse Israel and he tried three times and Balaam's like, God says, I, I can't curse them. I, I have nothing. There's no cause. Because uh, there's a verse that says the curse causeless uh, shall not be found. So he said, I, I, I can't curse them. I'm going to bless them. And then Balaam uh, later told him, here's how you get God to curse them. You start tempting them to marry women outside of here. You start to basically violate God's law, tempt them to violate God's law. And then God has no choice. He can't protect them because they have gone against his word. So some of that made, we kind of went down a little deeper than I expected, but he has to allow for choice or there's no love is, is a big one. It's not, it's not, I, I don't know how else to, to bring that out. Um, it, it just needs to be pondered. You really have to think what would it be like if God didn't allow any choices at all? Is, is that the land you want to live in that would you would choose to live in? So if there is the choice, if he has to have choice and he just had one, that's all it took. And he told him the consequence and everything that God said would happen, happened. 
so it's not like he's making uh, um, invalid threats. It's not like he didn't tell them and he just punished them out of nowhere where they had no idea what I did that tree. I didn't know that was going to happen. Nope, that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case for Israel. It wasn't the case for um, any of the other times. Many, 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 many times. So now we move to the next part here. How do we reconcile the idea of a loving God with the concept of eternal punishment? So people will agree that there are certain things that are evil or suffering. So like rape and murder. But when someone says a loving God would, wouldn't send somebody to hell, wouldn't, well, what? So there's no punishment. There should be no punishment for anything ever. Just no jails, no rules, no anything. Because really then that would mean there's no evil because there's no consequence. So if there's no consequence. There's no punishment. You only punish something that uh, when something is done wrong or for disobedience or disobedience to God. So are they saying that there shouldn't be any punishment for evil? And that might be a good question to ask. And I, of course, people, I mean, you look at all the, what is her name? Karen's. If you have Karen's now, uh, that every, you know, the, the, the biggest wrong, the biggest evil is cross me. Don't worship me. Do something that I don't like. And now you'll face my wrath, you know, Karen's wrath. So they agree that there's evil, but on one hand, they don't think it should be punished. But on the other hand, they're saying, how did, why did God allow it? Well, you, you can't have it both ways. You cannot have both. Well, let's look at, let's look at this. <clears throat> what if you, you replace God with government? How can we have a government who allows suffering and evil to exist in the world? So God gave specific commandments that if these things happen, this is what's, this is the punishment. And he gave the governments the, uh, Authority. authority to do it and then when they don't do it they're going against god's plan so if he says the murderers are to be put to death but we don't put them to death um who's smarter god or the government yeah and if they if they go and commit a murder they they wouldn't have been alive to create another murder so Whose fault is that? Is that God's fault? And if people saw, uh, the way it used to be, if people saw that a murderer was put to death, uh, that should stop somebody else from that guy. I don't want to die that way. Yeah. And that's help people usually say, if we can just save one. Uh, yeah. Then the, the question goes to, well, there's a lot of innocent people in the jails, and what if we put the wrong person to death? The problem is that we aren't doing it right now, so we are putting ourselves towards seven times harder 
because we aren't listening and doing the what what needs to be done. Once we start doing the way God says, then we're not going to have these instances. Or if we are, there's going to be repercussions for those. So if we find out that uh, there was a lawyer or a judge that was withholding evidence to make sure that that person was, that innocent person was put to death, then they're to be put to death. Right. They're specific at, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall a thing be established. And I think, I think we can do a whole thing on, on that one alone because there's, there are a lot of rules that they've got put in place. And I pulled up a couple of verses here uh, that, let's see, we'll do um, Deuteronomy 19, verse 20. And those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. So he's, he's telling you that this is, a, a warning, Proverbs nineteen twenty five: smite a scorner and the simple will beware and reprove one that hath understanding and he will understand knowledge. Proverbs 21, 11, when the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. So there's, uh, there's a lot more that I tagged, but because this isn't a capital punishment episode, um, the rules are there. So, you know, yeah, but we might put someone innocent. Well, if we followed what God had in place for the rules, then we would make sure that it, they even had things for manslaughter. But that I love the example of how can we believe if we had a government who allowed suffering and evil, what would that be like? That would be anarchy. That would just be well, I think we've seen what that's like in a few cities in, a, in America uh, if there's no rules. So uh, there has to be rules. I mean, how many uh, episodes, I mean, all over the television, we're seeing all these people that murdered somebody and then they go to jail for 20, 30 years and then they're let out. It's like, well, wait a minute. You murdered someone. The penalty for murder is death. They shouldn't be let out later on. I mean, I mean, there's countless uh, things where a rapist gets back out and they just continue on. There's no, um, there's no uh, fear of God. There's no. Well, that too. Yeah, but if it, if you were a victim of being raped and there was the punishment wasn't uh, fulfilled that was supposed to happen. You never get any rest. There's no um, uh, justice that's done. Right, right. So you never get that justice that should that is what God established as being right. And now you have more possibilities of uh, more wrong happening because. But again, that's assuming that there's right and wrong, which uh, here were. Of course, there's right and wrong. Of course, there is. It's just a matter of whose measure are you going to use? Yours, Hitler's, uh, your your newborn infant's measure of right and wrong. How about a three year old in a in a candy store or the toy store aisle? Are you going to use their their measure of right and wrong? 
But moving on then, if there is right and wrong, then if somebody does something wrong, should there be any punishment or should there be no punishment? Because if there's no punishment, then there really isn't any right and wrong. But if there is punishment, then you, you want a God that doesn't punish evil? You want a God to just let evil run rampant? That's... That's why I wanted to point these two out because they're so big. They're, they're used so often isolated. But when you put them together as the top two things that people just kind of throw throw God away and think that it's justified or that God can't possibly exist because of this, that's what, what it, it's sad to me because people have gone through this pain of murder or rape or, or whatever it is and wonder why God can allow it. And then you have another person spouting saying a loving God would never punish someone eternally in hell. I don't think that person knows what suffering is. I don't think they've ever been, been really wronged um, to say that the loving God should just allow rapists and murderers to go for no reason. Just, just, you know, everybody goes to the same place. So if there's punishment, who decides what the punishment is? Who who determines that? Your three-year-old? My cat? Who, who should we allow to determine that? Cats should just be put to death as is, but that's another conversation. That's another podcast. That's another episode. Well, here's where God's words, he goes even further. Say you, you rape somebody and you know you're, you're going to be put to death or you murder somebody, you, you're going to be put to death. You still have an option to repent of your sin and to accept the gift that Jesus has given you and still spend eternity um, with God in heaven but your time here has been negated. You're, you've, you've given that up. You sacrificed that. So you still have an option to spend eternity with God in, and in heaven. So that shows that hell, God's not putting people in hell. They are choosing to go to hell. And I know that everyone on death row or whatever in the prison, they always have uh, uh, salvation offered to them. I mean, there are Bibles in jail and everything else. So if they go to hell, that's their rejecting of them. God's giving even the worst murder the option to turn themselves around. And at that point, there will be some people that will revert back to number one. Well, that's not fair because they murdered. They still get to go to heaven. Well, uh, who makes the rules? And, uh, you know, it, but the, the main thing that I, I really am hoping comes across this, because each one of these we could take episode after episode after episode, but putting these together and recognizing that there are you have you have two people out there that you could come in contact with one of them is really upset about number one because they had suffering and evil done to them the other one says a loving god would never punish anyone and 
and we when we step back from the emotion of it when you look at at just what is happening and you you see the evil you see the suffering um at least uh, hopefully if you're uh, you you have some empathy for that suffering and evil uh that it it doesn't those two people can't both be right so one of them doesn't make sense and then it should hopefully bring us back to i don't want to be the one I, I, i'm not smarter than god i i can't i can't possibly know everything that god knows but did he give us rules did he give us consequences and even greater still did he give us uh, um, a way out did he give us um did he pay the price so that we wouldn't have to suffer eternally in hell for what we did now a lot of people might be able to think of hell as being okay for people like hitler or uh, you know serial killers or serial rapists but I mean, some people, they just stole something or they just told a little lie. It's not that big of a deal, but we're not, we're not God. God is, it, it's eternal and he's just somewhere lines have to be drawn. A line has to be drawn of this is right. This is wrong. And he told us, it's not like he didn't tell us that we have to guess. And the society that gets the most right wins at the end of the world. No, he, he told us it's just a matter of do we believe him or are we going to believe somebody else? And this makes it personal. It, it doesn't matter what society thinks. It doesn't matter what your parents think. It doesn't matter. I mean, you could have a million people that all believed a certain thing that does not make it true. But I I love Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that means... When I face him, and I will, and it won't be a, a crowd of us, it's it's me by myself. And you guys won't be there to, to, it doesn't matter if you shouted my praises or if you didn't, if you said I was horrible. The only thing that's going to matter is what God says about me. I have to face that. And... Uh, I, he said in Romans one, there is no excuse. I, I, I am facing him on my own. And so I am going to obey God rather than men because he makes the rules and everyone eventually is going to say, God, you were right. I was wrong. You're smarter. And, and all through that. So we're asking questions about why God does things when, I mean, if, imagine I mean, the, the in, infants or, or three-year-olds, the teenagers, even us, 
sometimes we're, we're going to ask, but sometimes as parents, you can't explain it to a five-year-old. All you can do is say, because I said so. There's no possible way you could explain it to them. So think how God feels when we're asking questions like this. How, how, how could he possibly explain it to us that this is the best way? And so I want you to think when you're standing in front of God and you say, why God did you allow suffering and evil to exist? He's going to give you an answer. He's not going to be surprised. He's not going to be, oh, it did. Oh, I wasn't aware. I didn't get that memo. Oh, if you just sent me an email, I, I would have known. No, he knows. He knows you're suffering. He knows um, the pain that's out there. And he's going to give an answer. And you know what our response is going to be? Every single person's response is going to be when God gives his answer. It's going to be Philippians 2, 9 through 11. You're right. I didn't think of that. I didn't know that. I didn't understand it that way. I I see now. But even then, who are we to think that we have to have that answer? Right. Well, and we can't. For God to just say, do you trust me? Then we have to say, yes, I trust you. Then just do what I ask. I've got the big plan. If you trust me, you're not going to question me on these things. That's hard to do because our pride gets in the way. And that's pride is the root of all sin. And our, and our emotions and our, I mean, I, I, there are some things I don't think are as bad as others, but that's me, but I'm not God. So I, I, at some point we have to say God's way is right. And sometimes people will measure well, if I, if I do that, if I do it God's way, then I might physically die. And that's true. And so they may measure whether God was right based on whether they physically stay alive or they physically endure any harm. And that's, that's not the measure. It's not the right measure. That's how, um, Satan uh, even tempted Job, uh, he came to God and said, skin for skin, all a man has, he'll give for his, for his own soul, for his, for his health. And so he went after Job, uh, that way and he did it. He didn't, didn't cave. And I was trying to find the one thing from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because I, I just love, 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 love the faith that those guys had. Daniel 3, 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, they were just commanded to bow down and worship this other image or be thrown into a fiery furnace. And well, okay, read Daniel 3, 15. Now, if you be ready, that at which time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, that but sultry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image, which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast into the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So he's threatening with physical death. Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, 
to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now that, that is some faith. That's some, that, oh, Lord, increase our faith. It's like, it's like God can protect us from this, but even if he chooses not to, he is still God. That's what God wants. That is that, and of course, God saved them out of the fiery furnace, but he doesn't save everybody out of the fiery furnace in the Old Testament. There were some martyrs. Uh, but if we use our measure of or physical life or physical harm of whether or not God is right, that's the wrong measurement. And it's not an easy thing, but God, God wants us to love him first, seek first the kingdom, God, his righteousness. And we're already out of time. We didn't even get to Job, but, um, I hope that this was helpful. I hope you really ponder these two questions especially in light of foundations and and smarter than God. It doesn't diminish pain. It doesn't diminish suffering. Um, but we don't want anything to diminish your faith in God or uh, your trust in him or that somehow he just wasn't quite smart enough or he should have done something a little differently. No, this wasn't his plan. All this evil and suffering was not his plan but he gave us choices and when good men stand up for God's truth, there's less evil and suffering. And we got to have that foundation of God to know, um, where he wants us to help. It could be helping people that have suffered or in pain, uh, or, or helping people understand who God really is. Those are, those are things that the more we know God and the more we learn about him, um, you start to apply personally and hopefully get to that point of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that imagine the foundation that those guys had. That was not sinking sand. That was, there was no crack. There was no, you, mm, that's the kind of foundation that I want. And that I hope that we can help all of you uh, achieve as well through God's word. That's where the foundation is going to come from. It's it's not logic. It's not emotion. It's not fun little analogies. It's going to come from God. It's going to come from his word. And um, so I think on that note, I think that's a good, good place to end that. Uh, Steve, do you want to close this in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time and uh, we got just a little bit of time to open your word and dig in there. We hope that uh, it will touch hearts and minds of those who hear it. And uh, more importantly, we hope that it pleases you. Uh, give us direction and wisdom uh, for the next one. And we thank you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.